If you're into designer furniture and you want the sofa that broke the internet, you don't have to go broke to get it. Because Designer Looks Furniture has all the same styles and trends and all the quality, but without the designer prices. Check them out. Designer Looks at American Signature Furniture or designerlooks.com. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Fantasy Football Addicts Podcast. My name is Mung. Hey everyone, it's Los. Week 8 just about done my goodness halfway through just about through the season i can't believe it we, we were so excited for football to come and when it gets here it flies by what the heck's going on man yeah it was a very nerve-wracking week for sure um i faced dalvin cook in two leagues so that was very uh stressful watching those games on sunday it seemed like green bay was out to get me if they had, i can't imagine uh, you survived any of that yeah if you know those facebook statuses that was like you know mung has marked himself safe from this so-and-so natural disaster well i i I Uh will mark myself safe from the dalvin cook week oh well good for you uh i if we want to talk about me at all i am gonna go ahead and mark myself safe from a dk metcalf week yeah, and uh, I think we would be uh, counted among the lucky ones who had. Extremely. I don't know. It's tough, you know, like those. I, I went up against that Tyler Lockett week uh, a couple weeks back, and uh, that destroyed me. I was not marked safe there. Um, <laughs> so it's, you know, this, the schedule gods certainly uh, have their say in, in fantasy sometimes. Hopefully, you can build the best team you can, and hopefully, over the course of the thirteen-week uh, season, it uh, it plays out in your favor. That's that's all you can hope for, because we hear about teams all the time, right? You know, the number two scoring team, or the heck, well, number one scoring team typically doesn't happen this this too, but number two scoring team on the season misses the playoffs. You know, it, it happens all the time. Yeah, that's why some of my leagues have a scoring setup where uh, you know the highest remaining score of the for the sixth seed gets in um, of the non-playoff records. So oh, that way, okay, um, it's a good little uh, a, a good little way to try and find a little balance for the the people who just so happen to find the super high scoring uh, points against schedule that year. I've also heard another format where you do like a win for your win versus your opponent. If you're assuming you're doing a head to head league and then a win, if you're in the top six scoring, I don't know how you feel about it. Never implemented it, but you know, they're, they're just ideas. Yeah. Like against the league average that week. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, I don't actually have any leagues like that, but uh, certainly plenty of fantasy uh, formats out there. No wrong way to play. Whatever, whatever floats your boats. And, well, tight uh, and premium, that's a wrong way. Ooh, <laughs> did I just lose listeners? Oof, sorry. If you say so. It's, uh, I have <laughs> leagues like that, and I have other leagues that don't. But uh, real, real quick before we get into the Week 9 previews, just a quick PSA. If you are listening to this podcast on Tuesday morning or afternoon, please remember to go vote if you're registered. Uh, we're lucky enough to live in a place where we have the privilege. So hope you take the time. Los, have you voted yet? I have uh, sometime last week. Don't remember which day. Yeah, I also took advantage of the uh, the vote by mail, dropped it in the, the ballot box. Um, actually, I like it. I, I mean, I wish more people would take advantage of that because you have, you know, hours, days, however long you want to actually, you know, research all the people on the ballot instead of kind of just bubbling in the circles in that five minutes. Well, that's, you know, that, that takes a lot of 
active participation, which I, it'd be nice if more people did. It really would be nice, uh, but we'll see. I actually went to the site. That, there's just something about going to the facility that, that I just like. So both options are available. Um, at this point, listening to the podcast, obviously you're past due for you know voting early on site, but maybe think about it four years from now or two years or whenever your local elections are. Yeah, I, mean, I, I bet you had to go in just so you could get your little Instagram selfies and, you know, get all the clout. Oh, you know. You know how, <laughs> how active I am on Instagram. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> all right. Well, um, real quick, uh, also for our listeners, I will not be here next week, um, sadly. So Los and Dan will be filling in, and I'm sure they'll do a great job. But uh, Yeah, this could be a record-setting show. <laughs> Hopefully I do not get... Uh, get replaced by good performances that's always on the back of your mind you know but um you know do do you like making prop bets los uh yeah i mean i guess i do why well if you like making prop bets then thrive fantasy is perfect for you because they offer dfs style contests where you pick 10 out of 20 prop bets each week and you compete against other players on how many you get right Each prop has a fantasy point total associated with the over or under, and the more you pick correctly, the more points you score, helping you to place and win money with over $12,000 guaranteed for the Sunday contest each week. And if you use our promo code ADDICTS, that's A-D-D-I-C-T-S, when you sign up for an account, you'll receive an instant match of up to $50 credited to your account with a minimum $20 deposit. Check it out today on the Apple App Store or the Google Play Store. Or you can play at thrivefantasy.com. You know, when you when you put it like that, I guess I uh, I, I I don't just like making prop bets. I love it. Yeah, and uh, I'm sure those who decided to take a chance and take the over on 0.5 touchdowns for Daniel Jones tonight are happy. Yeah, that's uh, that that'll get the job done there. Uh, I bet. Um, d- this is called a transition. I bet uh, for this Thursday night game, the San Francisco 49ers wish they could uh, win this game by making a bunch of prop bets rather than having to get themselves onto the field. Yeah, for both sides, really, because um, this Thursday night football game here, the first one we're going into, the Green Bay Packers at the San Francisco 49ers, is going to be a very different rematch from the NFC Championship game based on uh, – who will be playing because there are a lot of injuries on both sides. Uh, We're going to see if Aaron Jones and Alan Lazard can make it back for this one because the Packers certainly need someone other than Devontae Adams to do something for them on offense. Uh, And then there's the fact that A.J. Dillon uh, is on the COVID list and that may or may not also land uh, Jamal Williams depending on how he tests. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and disagree with you. I don't actually think the Packers need anyone other than Devontae Adams to do anything. Three touchdowns this week, three touchdowns the week before. He's locked and loaded. He's he's ready for action. Aaron Rodgers this year, I guess, he, he's tried this long enough. I don't need a second wide receiver. I'm just going to throw every touchdown Devontae Adams' way. And that seems to be what he's doing. That said, tomorrow, 4 p.m. Eastern, we're not going to have, uh, of course, all the information by the time you listen to this cast, but um, the trade deadline is tomorrow. There have been words of Green Bay acquiring a uh, wide receiver, too. So, uh, some names we've heard are Will Fuller, A.J. Green. Just keep an eye on things. So uh, that, that would obviously change the forecast a little bit. I don't expect them to make any sort of impact on a short week. As a matter of fact, I don't even think they could join the team if they're traded tomorrow by, by the time a Thursday game happens. 
because no, of uh, even, coronavirus. Even for Sunday, they would not make it. It would have okay. to be uh, week nine for any trades that uh, we don't happen to talk about because they happen after Monday night when we are recording. There you go. But um, if Jones and Lazard play, uh, you're starting those guys, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. All right. On the Niners' side, they are likewise dealing with a lot of injuries here. Tevin Coleman returned from that knee injury early in the season, but promptly re-injured that knee. So uh, it's likely going to be a lot of Jamichael Hasty and Jarek McKinnon this week. The bigger concerns, of course, are George Kittle and Jimmy Garoppolo, both missing extended time with their respective injuries. Sadly, it sounds like Kittle is done for the fantasy season. Maybe he'll be back for the actual nfl playoffs if they make the playoffs um and then jimmy garoppolo with that aggravated high ankle sprain he's going to be out for a few weeks they probably shouldn't have pushed him back so soon to begin with but uh, you know even with nick mullins or cj bethard i think Ayuk should be a decent wide receiver three with debo samuel likely out again and then what do you think about ross dwelly is he an interesting name maybe worth an ad rest of the season well, I was actually going to talk about Jordan Reed. Um, in his week two uh, replacement of George Kittle filling in, he had seven for 50 and two touchdowns. And Nick Mullins was the guy that set the uh, tight end uh, receptions record with, with George Kittle. So I could see there being a, a connection between those two. But if you think Dwelly's the better option, why, why, why do you lean Dwelly? Well, just because they haven't yet activated Jordan Reed off IR, perhaps once okay. he's back, um, you know, he'll he'll resume that uh, lead role that he did have while Kittle was out early in the year. Um, okay. I, I think both are certainly worth looking into. Uh, Reed might be the better option once he eventually does make it back, but it doesn't sound like it will necessarily be this week. Okay, so we'll have to keep an eye on that too. Um, yeah, and, you know, I think... This is going to be a close game, even with all these injuries, really? only because Dalvin Cook absolutely destroyed this team uh, on Sunday. And that's what the 49ers did with their run game in that NFC Championship game. So maybe they just keep it out of Beathard or Mullins' sands and just run it, you know, 40, 50 times Thursday night. Yeah, I think they were able to do that, though, because there were guys like Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson out on the field. I mean, Brandon Ayuk's great, don't get me wrong, but Kirk Cousins is a heck of a lot better quarterback than Nick Mullins. Give me Green Bay, and I don't think it's going to be particularly close. Yeah, I'm going to take Green Bay as well, but I, I do think it'll be a fairly close game, uh, at least for maybe the first half. We'll see what happens. <laughs> right. Certainly the Niners' uh, defense is not as formidable this year. I mean, they'll, they'll start off at a tie at the very least. <laughs> all right john madden <laughs> all right moving on to the sunday noon central 1 p.m eastern games first one is going to be the denver broncos at the atlanta falcons and i came into this year pretty high on drew lock uh, he's shown some flashes finally despite losing Cortland sudden and that bad offensive line and given what he showed against the chargers i, I like him this week as a streamer against uh, a falcons defense that's giving up the most fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks and with Tim Patrick sidelined by hamstring injury this past Sunday, we finally saw Jerry Judy get more involved, uh, leading the team with 10 targets. If Patrick's out again this week, I like Judy as a wide receiver three with a lot of upside. 
Yep, exactly. That that hinges, of course, on Tim Patrick being out, just like you said. So keep an eye on practice reports on him. Uh, I think Fant has a decent shot here, too. He's racking up the uh, the targets. I think uh, Melvin Gordon is seeding a bit too much work, though, uh, to Philip Lindsay to have that much upside. Rightfully so. Philip Lindsay's still looking good. He's undervalued every year, and he you know manages to muck things up for people every year. Uh, he's, he's a pretty darn good running back, and uh, Melvin Gordon is the next guy on his hit list. Well, the good thing, too, is that, um, uh, you know, Gordon is still seeing a lot of the receiving work, so that gives him a decent floor in PPR formats, uh, but certainly it lowers the ceiling for both given the split workload right now. And uh, we mentioned uh, Tim Patrick potentially being back, and and we'll see if Calvin Ridley on the other side here for the Falcons can make it back with 10 days to heal from that foot sprain that he suffered on Thursday night. Um, I don't love Matt Ryan here against a fairly tough Denver defense, and I don't love Gurley either, despite the Chargers running backs gashing the Broncos for almost 200 yards on the ground. I just, I'm not sure if Brian Hill saw a lot of work against Carolina because of the sloppy wet field conditions that night, uh, or if there are just more concerns about Gurley's knee. Uh, but it's very concerning that Gurley is losing a lot of carries to Hill in addition to already not getting much work as a receiver. I think you've hit the nail on the head. He's He was sitting at about 60, 65% of the workload. I don't have the numbers in front of me right at the second. Just for this past week, his day was saved for you because he scored the touchdown, just like he has all season had these touchdowns. Touchdowns are fluky. They don't last all season long. Um, at least, they, I mean, they did when he was with, with the Rams, but this is a different Todd Gurley on a different team. Uh, maybe sell high. I mean, he, he should be slotting in for you as a wide, uh, running back, too. He's been a top-five guy. That ain't lasting. Yeah, and uh, with the uncertainty with Calvin Ridley now, I am going to take Denver in this game. That's a tough one. Um, hmm. Gosh, i got to make this before I know if Ridley's going to be on the field. <laughs> Atlanta. No, 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 Denver, no. <laughs> All right. Uh, hopefully you made that right call just now. Um, <laughs> moving on to the next game here, Seattle at Buffalo. This one should be a shootout. Uh, but with Tredavious White likely to shadow DK Metcalf, I would fade him a little bit more of a back-end wide receiver two, high-end wide receiver three, but certainly uh, it would be tough to ever bench him. Uh, this does help Tyler Lockett, though. I've got him as a high-end wide receiver two. Could see added target volume as a result. And finally, we'll see if Chris Carson's back. He was close to playing this past week. And if not, we might see a whole lot more DJ Dallas, who was a workhorse with Carson and Hyde out against the Niners this past week. He was, but both Carson and Hyde were on the cusp of playing. Carson was a legitimate 50-50. I actually expect Carson to play this game and play quite well. Yeah, I, I do think he'll be back. He was close, as I said last week. But if not, uh, you know, DJ Dallas, certainly worth a shot. On the Bills side here, uh, of course, you love Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, Cole mm-hmm. Beasley, all these guys. Uh, the only thing I wanted to bring up, uh, again, as you mentioned with Gordon and Lindsay, was the workload split in the backfield. Uh, both Moss and Singletary saw 14 carries for 80-plus yards, and each of them saw one target as a receiver. So Crazy. <laughs> it seems like Moss is the preferred red zone back with two touchdowns against New England, which makes him slightly more valuable, but I think both of these guys are just touchdown-dependent flex plays right now. 
I agree that Moss is a touchdown-dependent flex play. He got all of the value work. He got the two touchdowns, as you alluded to. I think Jonathan Singletary is is roster fodder. I think he's just taken taken a you know uh, taken a spot on your roster. You should dump him. Send him somebody else. Make him clog up their roster. Devin Singletary, not Jonathan Singletary. Sorry. Well, I mean, you're saying Jonathan Taylor, who might also be a roster clogger at this point, but we'll get there. We'll get there. You just um, broke my heart. Yeah, I think Singletary's fine, a fine hold if you just need a, a warm body to plug in at flex, but certainly the upside is not really there while Moss is healthy. Um, but going back to this game, it, it should be just a really fun one to watch. Uh, two talented quarterbacks, both in the conversation for MVP, but... Uh, with Tredavious White back healthy, uh, I'm going to lean the Bills at home. Really? I am going to take the Seattle Seahawks. Keep Russ cooking. Yeah, I mean, it, it's hard to bet against Russ, but uh, you know, given how their defense is, has been lacking, we'll see. Maybe sure. Jamal Adams might be back for this one, and that, that could definitely tilt things back in that favor for Seattle. But uh, right now, I am going to lean the home team, so we'll see. All right. The next game up here, Chicago at Tennessee. The Titans' defense has been playing very poorly this year, uh, though they just traded for Desmond King. Uh, he will not be in for this week. So I do like Allen Robinson, maybe Darnell Mooney sprinkled in here as well. Jimmy Graham uh, has also been seeing consistent target share, and he should continue to be the clear starter at tight end after that uh, near fumble by Cole Komet, who... Uh, you know, luckily the the call from the refs was that forward progress had been stopped or else he would have lost that ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know. You've got a lot more faith in this team than, than what I get from watching them on the field. It's too risky for me. Foles is completely and utterly unreliable. So I can't roll the dice on Anthony Miller or Darn, Darn, uh, Darnell Mooney or Jimmy Graham, uh, Graham for that matter. I, I just don't like it. Yeah, I mean, you certainly you certainly don't love it. Uh, they don't have crazy high ceilings, but depending on your options, they're serviceable streamers. Um, on the flip side here, Chicago's defense has played well, uh, better than the offense at least, uh, but they're hardly the shutdown unit that they were under Vic Fangio a few years back. I would still feel comfortable starting Tannehill and Henry here, um, as well as A.J. Brown, even after... Uh, you know, a quiet game from Johnu Smith as well. He's still a tight end one, given the lack of reliable tight end options in fantasy. I do think that his low production could have something to do with that ankle not being 100% after Johnu injured it uh, a couple weeks ago. And then finally, I wanted to mention Dante Foreman, who seems to be the number two back in Tennessee now. He's a big, skilled running back who has a lot of upside. If Derrick Henry were to miss time, he's somebody to keep on your watch list, maybe even on your bench if you have Henry or in deeper leagues in general. Nothing else to add. Uh, I think uh, John Smith's this is a get-right week for him against the Chicago defense that allows some chunk plays to the tight end. Sounds good. Uh, the Titans lost to the Bengals and Joe Burrow, but the Bears' offense remains stuck in neutral. We'll see if they can do enough to pull off an upset. And I do think this will be a close game, but I'm going to stick with Tennessee at home. I have Tennessee here, yeah. All right, the next game up is going to be Baltimore at Indianapolis. And ooh, this uh, this Ravens offense is really struggling, even before uh, playing a great Pittsburgh defense last week. And now losing their franchise left tackle, Ronnie Stanley, for the year is not going to help. Uh, also doesn't help that their right guard, Tyree Phillips, might miss a week or more with an ankle injury. So 
Definitely bad news bears for the Ravens here. Are you nervous about Lamar Jackson or Marquise Brown for the rest of the season here? I wouldn't say nervous, but I'm also I, I also haven't drafted, you know, Lamar Jackson anywhere. If if I did, I would be probably, you know, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of phrases for what I could be doing. Uh, <laughs> I'd be pretty worried. I'd be pretty concerned if I if I spent my second or third rounder on Lamar Jackson. Uh, I'm not benching him. I think he could turn it around. I think his rushing floor keeps him, you know, a very viable uh, quarterback one play. Um, so I, I don't like it, but I I wouldn't have drafted him that high to begin with. Marquise Brown. I probably was a little too high on him in the preseason. Well, I definitely was compa- uh, compared to how he's been playing, but. He could bust it deep. I mean, he he could he could go off for two deep touchdowns in a game. He he's a lot more like Deshaun Jackson of old than I wanted him to be, but that just might be who he is. Yeah, he he uh, tweeted out post game and then deleted it uh, that he said, you know, what's the point of having soldiers if uh, you don't use them? And then <laughs> apparently oh. apparently John Harbaugh texted him, and you know, hopefully they're smoothing things over. I think this could be a big week for Marquise Brown. Uh, Wow, throwing his quarterback under the bus. Oh, my gosh. But going back to Lamar Jackson real quick, uh, certainly, you know, he's not been as reliable as he was last year, but he's still a mid-range QB1 right now on the season through eight weeks. Sure. Real quick, just uh, out of curiosity, if someone offered you Justin Herbert for Lamar Jackson, is that something you'd consider? No, I'd stick with Lamar. Okay, so I assume you would keep him over a guy like Ryan Tannehill or something like that as well? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but the line's not far from there. Yeah, and I think something to keep in mind uh, to soothe the concerns and the ruffled feathers of those uh, fantasy managers with Lamar Jackson on their rosters, uh, keep in mind that Jackson will get the Browns, the Jaguars, and the Giants in the fantasy playoffs. Uh, so definitely would not mm. panic sell Um but, uh, you know, don't love him this week against a strong Colts defense. I think he's a matchup quarterback one more so than a locked-in top-five guy right now. Mm-hmm. Same thing with the running backs right here. We saw uh, J.K. Dobbins do pretty darn well, actually, in uh, in Mark Ingram's absence, despite uh, Gus Edwards having more touches. This could be a tough week against Indianapolis, though. Uh, if you have to choose one of them, just like last week, I, I would pick Dobbins. Yep. Um, on the other side here, Philip Rivers is spreading the ball around, creating a committee of sorts for the Colts as well, just like the Ravens, uh, which is great for them winning yeah. games uh, in football, but awful for fantasy uh, when some of us thought that we could rely on Jonathan Taylor this year or any of the tight ends or T.Y. Hilton. Really, none of those guys uh, are really you know really touching your lineup right now i don't know can you even start jonathan taylor as a you know low-end flex we need to hear more about what's going on with him so i i there's some news there's some report out there's something going on with his ankle um which could explain some of the jordan's jordan wilkins extra work there i don't know if i buy it completely i'm praying that it's got something there that there's some that there's some you know weight to this information um I don't want to start him against Baltimore. I especially don't want to start him in a three-running-back committee. Um, but I also don't want to waste any – I don't want to waste one fab dollar on, on uh, Wilkins here or Hines. What do you think? No, it's just – it's – I mean, you, you're not going to know who to start each week right now. That's Exactly. You could start yeah. Wilkins, and he'll 
go back to you know eight carries for five yards and you could start Hines and he could go back to two catches for 12 yards and then the next week he'll get three catches for 14 yards and three touchdowns it's I don't know that's the nature of this backfield and more and more teams are moving towards these committee approaches which is why those elite workhorse running backs are just so valuable in fantasy it really boggles my mind as to why they would spend the draft capital capital that they did on Jonathan Taylor, though. I mean, I guess you can't know that he's not necessarily going to pan out. It's also very early in his career to say that he's not panning out. But to not use him as a workhorse back and to be replacing him with these other two guys, it really just confuses me because, I mean, why, why get a player that you're going to use 40% of the time at running back when you could get a starter at another position in the first round. I, I, I don't really understand that. Yeah, and it strikes me, you know, similarly to Melvin Gordon, and not just because of the Wisconsin comparison, but they're both, you know, they're both downhill runners. They're bigger guys, and they wear you down over the course of a game. And I know, yeah. you know, a lot, a lot of the offenses nowadays are geared towards passing, but if you still have that back, you know, like a Derrick Henry, um, who, you know, by the fourth quarter, you're gassed trying to tackle him. You make a great point. In much of Derrick Henry's career, he was uh, overshadowed by DeMarco Murray in uh, in Tennessee, and it was really only last year that Henry broke free and became a, a really solid option. So we could see something similar with Jonathan Taylor. Even, uh, even I think Deion as far Lewis. as this season goes, though, I'm probably trying to trade him for you know, a James Robinson or something like that with, if you can get the, uh, the manager to, to swing a deal like that. I think it's too late for that. I think that should be I sailed. think it is too. So I think you're stuck just holding and, and hoping. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in, uh, this matchup, I, I just don't trust rivers. So I'm leaning Baltimore, but I don't feel strongly about it. I think this is a toss up that I would be avoiding for the most part. Um, I think Baltimore will get the job done here. It, it could be close. You're right. All right. Next game up is going to be the Carolina Panthers at the Kansas City Chiefs. And after sitting their franchise running back due to extra precaution with another 10 days to get to 100% health, we should see the return of the Mac Caffrey this week. He is finally going to be back. Um, you know, it's it's going to feel good for those of us who have been rolling with Mike Davis. So he's he's done well so far. Yeah, very excited to have him back. It's always nice when the 1.1 player, you know, comes back to, to the NFL. The, the, I think that's good for fans across the league. Uh, DJ Moore continues to trail Robbie Anderson in targets every week, but he still has plenty of upside. I like him just fine here. Yeah, and I think Curtis Samuel is interesting, too. Obviously, the two touchdowns on so few touches against Atlanta is a little fluky, but this should be another good game for him. Samuel seeing over 50% of his snaps out of the slot, which is probably where the Chiefs are a little more vulnerable. So I think he is a boomer bust wide receiver four with, you know, a decent ceiling in this one. Yeah. All right, so on the Chiefs' side here, obviously starting Mahomes, Hill, and Kelsey, but... Let's talk about yet another running back split. This is getting really messy. It feels like both CEH and Bell are kind of just touchdown dependent flex plays like Zach Moss and uh, Devin Singletary, which isn't what you wanted when you drafted these guys. Uh, both Chiefs running backs each saw six carries and three targets, so a very 50-50 split. We talked last week about whether or not you'd consider selling CEH for guys like James Robinson, Miles Gaskin, Chase Edmonds. Have you reconsidered any of these hypotheticals? 
not Edmonds, but the other ones. Yeah, I, I don't. I'm I'm not fully sold that Edmonds is going to have the job when Drake's back. Yeah, I'm not saying he shouldn't, but I, I'm just not sold on the the thought that he's going to. Sure, I get what you're saying. Um, and then finally, I would be remiss if I didn't note uh, that my guy McCole Hardman played 68 percent of the snaps on offense against Great the Jets. Game which was close to his season high uh, against the Raiders. And then also he had a season high nine targets, seven receptions, and 96 yards. So, again, I know it was against the awful, awful Jets, but Hardman continues to have league-winning upside if Kansas City eventually gives him a bigger or more consistent role in this offense. Those had to be, like, career highs, no? Those targets and receptions? Um, I mean, yeah, he just doesn't not, get that sort of work. Not the yardage, but uh, I do believe the targets. Yeah, not yardage. Um, so yeah, I mean, hopefully we'll see this blossom into a bigger role, but you know, definitely someone to keep on that watch list. That's for sure. To Marcus Robinson, nine for 110 next week. Yeah. I mean, he had a good game this week too. So, you know, who knows? <laughs> I guess they can um, both do it. Sure. Basically just. Although against Carolina, you do expect them to lean heavier into the run game. Yeah, I, I do agree with that, but, uh, certainly not benching Hill or Kelsey. No. No, absolutely yeah. not. Uh, Kelsey's the only solid thing that's in, that's going at tight end right now. Yeah, you're 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 telling me. <laughs> As someone <laughs> who had Kittle in quite a few leagues, um, you know, luckily I've got I've got some decent backups in those leagues. But uh, I, I guess I was good that I uh, added Dallas Goddard on IR. You know, a couple weeks early just in case. Um, there you go. We're taking the Chiefs. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right, next up here, Detroit at Minnesota. Kenny Galladay, questionable with a hip injury. Could mean another big week for Marvin Jones. Uh, maybe Marvin Hall as well, but, you know, Jones certainly worth a look at wide receiver three. Reflex if you're hurting there. Hawkinson should be a strong tight end one as well With if Galladay misses this game. Um, yeah, I mean, Hall's interesting, but I wouldn't rely on him as more than a boomer bust guy. We might see Quintus Cephas get a little more involved as well this week if Galladay misses. You know, I think you're right in that they have the talent to replace Kenny Galladay. Not one for one, obviously. You can't replace Kenny Galladay like that. But I don't think um, the coaching staff agrees because they've already put a call out to Mo Sanu to try and see if they're going to bring him on the team. Obviously, nobody can be added this week, but it just doesn't instill much confidence. Uh, Quintus Cephas was a guy, a deep dynasty sort of flyer player um, that I thought had a lot of good potential. But um, I don't know. We'll see. Well, I think Sanu would be more, you know, for veteran depth. I don't know how much he has left in the tank at this point, but certainly something to keep in mind if you have Galladay because that's not a good sign for him. No, certainly not. I, I thought that I read today that uh, he was for sure going to miss at least three, four weeks. Uh, if so, I have not seen that update. So definitely uh, something to consider here. Um, on the Minnesota yeah. side, apparently it is just the Dalvin Cook show, which unfortunately could mean <laughs> quiet days again for Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson, although none of the Lions it's cornerbacks... It's a good show. I'd watch that channel. As long as I'm not on the other end, uh, like I was this past week, then, you know, that's fine. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we mentioned on the show last week that Justin Jefferson uh, might be shadowed by Jair Alexander, and he certainly shut him down, but... Uh, you know, more upside this week against those Lions cornerbacks. Both Thielen and Jefferson should be wide receiver threes with upside here. 
And really, this matchup for me comes down to whether or not Dalvin Cook uh, can be stopped by the Lions here. And I haven't seen anything to suggest that they can or that really anyone can. So, you know, that with the loss of Kenny Galladay, too, I'm taking the Vikings here. Yeah, I think the big three should all have a real nice day here. I will take Minnesota. All right, next up, the New York Giants at the Washington football team. And the Giants surprisingly in the lead right now to open the second half. But uh, Daniel Jones did get picked off, so perhaps uh, the turnaround coming here. Uh, Wayne Gallman would be an interesting flex, again, if Devontae Freeman misses another week. Uh, Slayton and Shepard should be decent, you know, low-end flex plays. Anything to add here? No, that's it. Alrighty, <laughs> on the Washington side here, Terry McLaurin is getting fed enough targets that I'm not worried about starting him against James Bradbury, especially after he burned the Giants for seven catches, 74 yards the last time they played a couple weeks ago. Outside of that, Logan Thomas bears a little interest here, still playing a ton of snaps, but actually getting more efficient targets uh, from Kyle Allen than he did from Dwayne Haskins. I think Thomas is a high-end tight end too here. And finally, uh, J.D. McKissick, worth mentioning as well as a PPR RB4 if you're desperate here. Still seeing about half the snaps each game, especially that valuable receiving work. Uh, certainly frustrating for those with Antonio Gibson starting in their lineups, but we'll see if anything changes for Gibson uh, getting a little bit more work coming out of that bye week. Yeah, I'd be surprised if McKissick, McKissick gets a lot of work here. Uh, I, th I think Washington should be able to get ahead on this one with their playmakers um, and rely on uh, their line getting after Daniel Jones as, as they did before. Yep. Uh, I'm going to take Washington here. Washington at home, yep. All right, next up here. Um, oh, real quick, uh, I just verified. Uh, it does sound like Kenny Galladay is week to week, so at least uh, out mm -hmm. for this week. Yeah. <clears throat> Um, for the Texans here, uh, starts everybody. <laughs> um, Watson, David Johnson, yeah, Fuller, Jackson, Cooks. That for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think the only low-key one I wanted to bring up here was Jordan Akins, uh, who was starting at tight end over Darren Fells early in the season when he was healthy. Uh, saw more snaps and targets. I think Akins is worth a look this week with the Jaguars allowing the sixth most fantasy points to opposing tight ends. And Akins did finally return to practice today uh, from that ankle injury, so it's possible he's back. I'm not expecting the uh, Jacksonville defense to put up much of a fight. I'm not expecting the Jacksonville offense to sustain many drives, unfortunately. Yeah, speaking of the Jacksonville offense, it sounds like it's going to be Jake Luton, uh, quarterback out of Oregon State, um, which really throws in a wrench uh, into all the fantasy options here. It's hard to project how this offense, uh, how the target share is going to be divvied up between Shark, Chenault, and Cole, and then just how efficient that offense is going to be in general under Luton. I, I do think Shark is still the safest flex-worthy wide receiver. I'd probably avoid Chenault or Cole. Do you agree with that i do all right uh and then you know the good thing is robinson should still be a fairly safe rb2 as long as he sees continues seeing this kind of volume as both a runner and a receiver um but yeah i mean a rookie quarterback's first start against deshaun watson and jj watt give me the texans i will take the texans here all right next game up here uh kicking off the mid-afternoon games uh, the first one is going to be the Las Vegas Raiders at the L.A. Chargers. 
And Derek Carr did not throw much with all the uh, wind and sleet in Cleveland this past weekend. But I like Carr this week against the Chargers defense, allowing the seventh most fantasy points uh, to opposing quarterbacks. And then they just allowed Drew Locke to torch them for 350 yards and three touchdowns. So... Uh, I guess that means I like Aguilar and Ruggs again as boomer bust wide receiver fours, uh, both with a lot of upside. Yeah, this could be a fun game because that, uh, that Chargers D-line also can, well, I guess Bosa might be missing this week. I, I think he's in concussion protocol, right? Yeah, I, I do believe that is correct. Yeah, I didn't think about that before. So that does uh, change things drastically. So this could be a really fun offensive shootout here uh, with, with Derek Carr. Um, a lot of upside here. I, I love Josh Jacobs as a running back. He's not getting a ton of work out of the pass game. He's getting plenty on the ground. I'm happy with him either way. I think uh, Hunter Renfro has some solid opportunity on the underneath in this matchup as well. Yeah, you're not wrong about that. Um, and then on the other side here, the Raiders defense isn't very scary either. So Justin Herbert continues uh, to be a good starting option here. He looks like the real deal. And then it was finally good to see Mike Williams involved more. He's got a lot of upside again this week. Uh, more importantly, though, it looks like yet another messy running back uh, backfield to talk about here. They've shifted the touches again. It would seem that Justin Jackson has earned a bigger role, leading the backfield with 17 carries and five targets against Denver. Surprisingly, Troy Main Pope was second in line for touches with 10 carries and seven targets. And then Joshua Kelly was mostly an afterthought. Just seven carries, one target. Jackson and Pope are probably both viable flex options in PPR, yeah? Mm -hmm. And Josh Kelly should not be rostered. No, not anymore, sadly. Um, and then Austin Eckler should be back in a couple weeks or more, but it does sound like he's still a little far away from returning. It's tough to bet against Justin Herbert the way he's playing right now, but Sadly, you know, it, this is a team game, and it, sound, it seems like the rest of the Chargers just really don't have a will to finish out game strong to win. They just traded away Desmond King to Tennessee, which further hurts this defense, uh, especially if Bosa's out. I'm going to take the Raiders here. Yeah, I'm taking the Raiders. The, the Chargers have been uh, doing their best Falcons impersonation for a decade prior to Falcons even starting. Yeah, and I, I do believe those two teams play each other in week 14, so that's going to be uh, interesting to see who can choke it away first. Well, that'll be a tie. Oh, yes, that would be. Ooh, yeah. Remind me to place a bet in week 14 that there will be a tie. I think, uh, I think that'll be good. Mark it down. Um, next game up here, uh, really no doubt here, I think, between us, uh, Pittsburgh at Dallas. But I hope not. Yet another injury for Deontay Johnson. This time a hamstring. Uh, it feels like, you know, something along the lines of Will Fuller's hamstring injury a few weeks back where, you know, he finished the game but was a decoy, and that's exactly what happened to Johnson against Baltimore. Uh, the good news, of course, is that, you know, he could be back this week as Fuller was after that injury. But the bad news is the Steelers could just sit him or maybe not use him much uh, as a decoy just to let him heal up for a bit in what should be a gimme win over the pathetic Cowboys. So, you know, that's the risk if you're starting Deontay Johnson, not just the re-injury. So he's a, what, risky low-end flex, I think, even against, uh, you know, even in a good matchup against the Cowboys. I'm going to start him. To be uh, transparent here, I'm starting him in a league. 
I'm a little concerned, but everybody on this offense has huge upside this week, honestly. Claypool, Ebron, Juju, everybody. Um, I mean, he could get two catches for eight yards and two touchdowns. Honestly, like this is what can happen this week. And I don't want to miss that. I don't want to miss being part of the Pittsburgh offense this week, no matter what. So you would start him over Cole Beasley against Seattle? No. (laughs) (laughs) No, no. but that's just because that's a great opportunity. I don't have that decision to make. Okay. What about if you also had um, Jerry Judy, if Tim Patrick's out again? Yeah, I think I would do Deontay Johnson there. No, I know I would. I would do Deontay Johnson there. Okay, I think I would still lean Judy there um, if he's going to get okay. that target share. with. That's close, though. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, this is a good matchup, too, for Eric Ebron, who's been involved in this offense. A good matchup against the Cowboys. But, again, the risk is like that blowout against Cleveland a few weeks ago, right? Because Ebron looked good early on, but then they just didn't need to throw much, especially in the second half with that defense crushing a Cleveland, and that could be the case here again against Dallas. Yeah, that could well be. This game could be over by the first quarter. First two possessions, maybe. I don't know. Maybe. Um, maybe. Oh, uh, yeah. But all right, so let's talk about the Cowboys. I don't really want to, but I guess Ezekiel Elliott is what a running back three flex now, based on the volume of touches he's seeing. But you know, even then, Tony Pollard's getting involved. It's it's really disappointing for those who drafted Ezekiel Elliott at 102-103. Um, Amari Cooper should see more targets after barely being involved uh, against Philadelphia with Darius Slay shutting him down for most of the night. Um, the good news here is hopefully Andy Dalton will make it back from concussion protocols. So if that happens, I'm much more optimistic on Cooper and Elliott to an extent. Uh, but it's hard to start Lamb, Gallup, Schultz. I really don't love any of these guys against the Steelers. Yeah, I, I agree with uh, Lamb and Gallup, obviously. I, I don't think Gallup needs to be owned at this point. Um, I also don't think Tony Pollard needs to be rostered. I, I don't know if people are still waiting on him. Um, with Ezekiel Elliott not looking great, I mean, how, how much better can Tony Pollard honestly look? I, I don't think he's a high-end handcuff at, at this point anymore. Um, if Dalton plays, that could be a step forward. We haven't seen him do spectacularly, uh, but I do have a tough time calling Zeke anything less than a running back, too, though. I mean, do you really want to be the guy with Ezekiel Elliott on his bench? I don't know. I don't. Uh, I don't have better options in a lot of my leagues, but maybe some right. people do. You know, people who added James Robinson, Miles Gaskin, and they also have like James Conner and you know great wide receiver options. I don't. I don't think it'd be crazy to bench Elliott. That's true. It's, it wouldn't be out of this world, but you would need a very specific instance like that. Right, for sure. Um, it really depends on your options. So yeah. I have not seen a line set yet for this game, but it should be double digits at minimum. I'm going to take the Steelers by like 20 points here. Yep, Steelers by uh, 17 and a half. <laughs> All right, sounds good to me. Uh, Miami <laughs> at Arizona is going to be the next one here. Tua Tango Vailoa had a rough first game. Uh, the offense did not look great, but that's to be expected. You know, welcome to the league, that Aaron Donald fumble. Uh, but uh, we'll see how long it takes for this. I Dolphins think we called offense. that, didn't we? Yeah, you, you you certainly said something about Aaron Donald welcoming him. And uh, boom shakalaka. 
Although we'll get to the Rams in just a second because they got a, a unwelcome uh, greeting from Miami. But you know this this Dolphins offense should get better as he gets more acclimated. Um, Devontae Parker should get away from Jalen Ramsey this week and do better here. But more of a wide receiver three for now until you know we see how Tua divvies up these targets. Uh, he may not lock on like Ryan Fitzpatrick did. Uh, the good news here is that nothing has really changed with Miles Gaskin's workhorse role. 18 carries, 6 targets against the Rams. Keep firing him up as a high-end RB2. I'm actually pretty worried about Parker this week. He's probably going to get a little Patrick Peterson action, and we saw he, what he did against DK Metcalf, and that guy's darn near unstoppable. Uh, I think they're going to take it slow with Tua, protect their future. That means a ton of work for Miles Gaskin, who, again, led the team with 6 targets. Yeah, certainly love Gaskin. I wish, wish I'd picked him up in some leagues where I have Zeke. And yeah, yeah, I wish I knew about him uh, in the preseason. But uh, on the Arizona side here, Murray, Hopkins, certainly solid starts. Christian Kirk should be on the flex radar as well. The real question is, you know, we're all waiting to see what kind of workload Chase Edmonds is going to get. But he should be a strong RB two, especially given how vulnerable Miami is to the run game allowing the seventh most fantasy points to opposing running backs this year. And then finally, uh, one good piece of news is that Kenyon Drake might be back next week or the week after. His diagnosis uh, is actually not as bad as originally feared, so certainly good for those who are desperate at running back and maybe are, have been holding on to Drake here. Certainly with, good news for me. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, with the state of running backs, I mean, Drake is still, what, a decent rb2 option right as soon yeah, as he comes back absolutely. so with Tua still adjusting to the nfl here and this game being in arizona i'm gonna take the cardinals yeah i think this is gonna be a fun game uh, which is rare to say for uh for the dolphins but give me the cardinals the dolphins are you know building well uh, i feel like flores and pierce are uh, you know doing a good job down there in south florida well that's because they had adam gase for so long <laughs> we'll be saying the same thing about the Jets in five, six years. Um, well, maybe. We'll see. I, I do think that Flores has probably been, other than Vrabel, it seems like the best you know, Belichick coaching tree candidate so far. Yeah, so far he's been pretty good. All right, let's move on here. The Sunday night football game. This should be a great one to watch. Uh, the New Orleans Saints at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, much better than that fiasco last night, at least, with Dallas against Philadelphia. We should get Emmanuel Sanders back from the COVID list here. Possibly Michael Thomas as well from that hamstring injury. We'll see. Those two would obviously be two huge boosts to this offense that has been struggling. Alvin Kamara has a tough rushing matchup here, but he's going to get his usual 92 targets per game as a receiver. <laughs> so he'll be fine RB1 regardless. Yeah, exactly. A little lower ceiling uh, for all the players on the road here in Tampa Bay. but So I, I would avoid Drew Brees, but I'd start you know, Kamara, Cook, Thomas if he's back, or if not, Sanders if he's back. Yep, and then uh, we're going to see how effective Mike Evans looks tonight, still battling that ankle sprain, uh, facing a tough matchup here against James Bradbury. He'll have another tough matchup against Marshawn Lattimore, although Allen Robinson did manage to get free for a touchdown from Lattimore. Uh, but Antonio Brown, this will be our first glimpse of Brown in uh, just about, just over a year, I, th I want to say. Um, I, yeah, just about. Are you are you starting him? If you nope. if you picked him up, 
not this week. Hmm. Got to see what what part of the game plan he has. Got to see what sort of shape he's in. No, too many variables there. I think I'm starting him. I, I think I'm starting him as a fairly solid wide receiver too. Um, I'm pretty optimistic. I think this Buccaneers offense needs help at wide receiver right now. We're seeing them struggle a little tonight with Chris Godwin out with that finger injury. Um, he may or may not be back. Uh, but otherwise, you know, I think it's going to be a lot of Scotty Miller, some Tyler Johnson sprinkled in, but a lot of Antonio Brown. So I, I think depending on your options, there's a 70, 80% chance that if you picked up Brown, you're starting on him. Okay. We'll see. It's certainly going to be fun to watch. Yeah, and, you know, I can't wait for this game. Tampa Bay not looking hot tonight, but uh, hopefully they'll get things in line for this divisional matchup. It seems like, uh, you know, they seem to be like one of those teams that plays up to their opponent's standards. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. this one, this could go either way. I, I mean, you know I'm a Brady fan, so I'm going to go with Tampa Bay here in the rematch uh, after this offense and defense have, you know, kind of gelled a little bit more than that uh, that season opener in week one. Yeah, I'm going to take the home team here. That's that's pretty much what it boils down to. All right. Uh, Monday Night Football, another divisional showdown. This one maybe not as exciting. Uh, the New England Patriots at the New York Jets, uh, both with pretty bad losing records. So that's something new here. Uh, should be a get-right game, though, for the Patriots offense. Uh, I think they're in real trouble if they can't go get going against the Jets. Uh, I like Newton as well as Damian Harris, who I think is going to be a matchup dependent RB3 or flex play in games where the Patriots are favored like they are this week. But it's hard to trust any of these wide receivers or tight ends with Edelman out. Jacoby Myers saw 10 targets against Buffalo, but part of that was Tredavious White locking down Nikhil Harry. So expect Harry to get a little bit more involved again this week. I guess if you had to pick one, it'd be Myers, but he's just, you know, a wide receiver four in fantasy, right? Yeah, I, I'm not really touching any of these skill guys. Um, even even uh, even Damian Harris. I mean, wh- where does James White fall in this equation? He's certainly not reliable anymore, but this really has the feel of a, of a Rex Burkhead week to be honestly. Not that I'm start a starting man or anything, but don't be surprised if he's the top performer here. Yeah, I mean, I do have some faith in Harris. Like I said, I think I'm starting him in weeks where the Patriots are favored to, you know, play mm-hmm. ahead or in close games, right? Because he really didn't get any receiving work, so the floor is really low if they fall behind. But you know, but they weren't favored against Buffalo. No, but they kept that game very close, right? It was very back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was mm-hmm. never more than you know like a three to seven point lead for Buffalo. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I do think he's worth adding depending on what you need. Oh. And James, and you're, so you're saying if that's the case for him, the option for in games where they're supposed to be down by a lot, you're saying is James White? Because James White is typically at value in games where, like, they haven't been down a lot historically. Yeah, I, I think it's still tough with both Burkhead and White involved as receivers, but. I, I think it's clear that they want Harris to be that, you know, first, second down grinder type of guy. I guess. We'll see. And this this team just bothers me this year. And I'm sure they bother themselves even more. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm sure Bill Belichick is not happy with the uh, current state of things. So we'll see about that. But, He's uh, still getting paid. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, on the Jets side here. 
There are rumors swirling about the Patriots maybe trading Stefan Gilmore to the Titans or the Lions, and maybe oh. you guys will know more by the time you're listening to this podcast. But if so, that would certainly help out Sam Darnold this week. But you're still not starting him in one quarterback leagues. Uh, you know, we'll see if Jamison Crowder comes back here. If so, he'd be a back end wide receiver too. If not, it seems like Braxton Berrios is getting the same target volume out of the slot in Crowder's absence. So I think he's, you know, a viable flex in PPR after seeing 11 targets against Kansas City. I don't buy it. I, I just don't buy that. That can go anywhere on the field. That could become Denzel Mims this week. I'm not chasing Braxton Berrios. No, but I, I think, you know, if you need somebody to plug in, he's a volume guy. The yardage probably won't be there, but you know I don't buy that he's gonna I don't buy that he is a volume guy though. I really don't. He he's on the field the same time as Jameson Crowder when Crowder's not injured. I mean, yeah, but not as much. Then he shifts outside here and there. And who's the other Jeff um Smith. What's the other name? Yeah, Jeff Smith. I mean, three weeks ago we would have said he's the volume guy. Maybe. I would still lean Barrios here. Um, it seems like, you know, Darnold has a pr- propensity to go to the slots whenever possible. All right. Fair enough, but I don't want it. Uh, by the way, uh, I, are, are you nervous yet? Another Gronk touchdown just now. Really? Hey. Yes, indeed. Good for him. As I told you, I do not like, I, I, I do not feel that the wager that was made encapsulates what the actual picture that I was trying to paint was, unfortunately. I wish I thought that through because I was still darn right. You should not go after Gronkowski. You would have totally lost out because of your tight end position for the first six weeks of the year. Four yeah, weeks, five weeks. I mean, now with Kittle hurt and Andrews really having some big down games. Yeah. I mean, that's... Uh, I haven't looked at it, but I would say Gronk has been a tight end one over the last few weeks, yeah? All you need is a touchdown and you're a tight end one. Yep. I, I've said yeah. last week I said start him. The week before I said start him. You're not wrong there. Yep. But you shouldn't have drafted him. I don't, I, I'm not changing on that. Fair enough. Um, all right. We're both taking New England here. Yes. All right. So we've got a few teams on by this week. First one is Cincinnati. Uh, Joe Burrow, Joe Mixon, Giovanni Bernard. Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, A.J. Green, and Drew Sample will all be out. Thank you for your efforts, Giovanni Bernard. Stay healthy in case we need you again. But I don't actually think he needs to be held and rostered uh, through his bye week in Week 10 with the expected start for Joe Mixon. Do you think Mixon will be back? Uh, I believe so. Um, If you have the roster space, if you're not hurting anywhere, I think you can hold him for upside. But if not, yeah, I don't think he needs to be held. Sure. Cleveland has the week off. Baker Mayfield, Kareem Hunt, uh, Nick Chubb, who could possibly be back after this by Jarvis Landry, Rashard Higgins, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Austin Hooper, Harrison Bryant, David Njoku. Cleveland cannot wait for, wait for uh, Nick Chubb to get back. I think he's worth uh, trying to buy low if possible. Yeah, and, you know, he's not on our waiver list, but if he's out there somehow in your league, uh, that's, you know, the ad. I can't. Yeah, I can't imagine in any competitive leagues he's out there. But just in case, just putting that putting that no, out but there. People do silly things sometimes. Yep. Uh, the LA Rams as well. Jared Goff, Daryl Henderson, Malcolm Brown, Cam Akers. Um, do, do you have to hold any of the Rams running backs if you're hurting? 
Not the running backs. Nope. No, not at all. Uh, also, a possible injury to Cup that we found, uh, Cooper Cup that we found out about this morning. Just keep an eye on that. Yeah, we'll get more into that in just a second. But uh, we we don't have the news on Cup yet, and we may not. We may not with them going on their bye. Probably won't. Not with Sean McVay at the helm. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, Cooper Cup, uh, Robert Woods, Tyler Higby, and Gerald Everett as well. And then Philadelphia rounds out the bye teams. Carson Wentz, Miles Sanders, Boston Scott, Jalen Rager, Travis Fulgham, Dallas Goddard, and Zach Ertz, who could be back for Week 11. Um, despite playing Dallas and leading in their division, this offense just looks awful. I, I think Fulgham is the best piece on this team right now. Yeah, and again, um, Ertz does not make our waiver list because he is more than 50% rostered, but he's another priority add because even though he didn't look great, you know, before he got hurt, he was still getting a lot of volume. Some, something mm. to be said for the tight end position. I don't know if I agree with that. Okay. Well, I mean, I, I think given the state of tight ends, he's still, you know, a low-end tight end one in PPR once he comes Yeah, back. this team is just so bad. Oh, my gosh. And he looks – I mean, we'll know. His first game back, we're going to know if his, if his career, at the very least with the Eagles, is done. He doesn't have a signed contract, so we'll see. Yeah. I, I think it very well could be. They're certainly not going to pay him again. I wouldn't. All right. So. I mean, I couldn't have paid him the first time. I, I don't have that luxury, but, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, if only, right. <laughs> All right. You want to kick off our injuries then? I certainly can. Starting off this week at quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo with the high ankle sprain. San Francisco appears to have rushed Garoppolo back a bit too early. He had to leave the Miami game and now the Seattle game after aggravating his ankle injury. The report earlier was that he was to be out, quote, indefinitely, unquote. He doesn't need to be rostered in standard one quarterback leagues. Gardner Minshew with the right thumb fracture. Doubtful. Apparently, he's been paying, playing through this injury, and it's likely that Jacksonville's going to let him heal up and see what they have in their sixth-round rookie, Jake Luton, out of Oregon State. Depending on how many quarterbacks are rostered in your league, Minshew is certainly not a must-hold, but he has shown enough production to be worth, hold, worth holding, uh, depending on waiver wire options. <clears throat> And finally, Andy Dalton with a concussion, questionable. Players advance through the concussion protocol at their own pace, but generally about two weeks is enough time. Uh, Dalton should hopefully return this week, barring any lingering effects, but he doesn't need to be rostered in one quarterback four bats, especially not versus the Steelers' defense this week. And at running back, we've got Aaron Jones with that calf injury. He's questionable. Green Bay decided to hold Jones out again this past game. Hopefully they'll get him back for a crucial showdown against the Niners on Thursday. Monitor his practice reports this week. There's a lot of injuries for both Green Bay and San Francisco this week, so keep that in mind. Keep in mind as we go through these injuries that all of the Niners and Packers players uh, will know early on Thursday night, so that'll help guide some decision-making. Kenyon Drake with the high ankle sprain, questionable, but probably more doubtful. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury gave us an update of sorts that it's very fortunate, quote-unquote, that Drake's injury isn't as serious as they initially thought. He is still unlikely to play this week, but a week 10 or 11 return is possible. Chris Carson with the midfoot sprain, questionable. It sounds like he was a true game-time decision against the Niners, so there's some optimism that he could return this week against a weak Bills run defense. Monitor his practice status this week. 
Miles Sanders with a knee injury with the Eagles on bye. It sounds like the plan was to sit him against Dallas on Sunday night, give him that extra bye week to heal up. Uh, Fantasy GM should be cautiously optimistic that Sanders will be back after the bye. Joe Mixon with a foot injury. Uh, Cincinnati is also on bye, so the Bengals are hoping that Mixon and a lot of their offensive line starters can possibly return uh, after their bye this week. They've got a big divisional matchup against the still undefeated Pittsburgh Steelers coming up in Week 10, and they're likely to still be undefeated when they they face off against the Bengals uh, playing the Cowboys this week. Tevin Coleman with a knee sprain questionable. Uh, He had just returned from his knee sprain uh, that he suffered early in the season that put him on IR, and he promptly aggravated the injury this past weekend. We'll see how serious this is, uh, but it's likely going to be a lot of Hasty and McKinnon as the primary backs on Thursday night. Raheem Mostert with a high ankle sprain still on IR. He is eligible to return in week 10 against the Saints. But with the Niners on bye in week 11, they could choose to hold him out the extra week. Uh, So we'll see. Jeff Wilson Jr. with the ankle injury, likely out multiple weeks as well. Uh, He's on IR and eligible to return in week 12. But by then, Mostert should be back. So Wilson really doesn't need to be held in redraft outside of very deep leagues. Mark Ingram with a high ankle sprain, he's questionable. Uh, His ankle injury is considered relatively minor, and it's good news that Baltimore did not put him on IR, so this seems akin to Fournette's more minor, quote-unquote, high ankle sprain from a few weeks ago. But even then, Fournette missed three weeks, so Ingram is likely out uh, for at least one more game here uh, against the Colts with a chance to return next week against the Patriots. Devontae Freeman with the ankle injury. He's questionable. He's out again tonight against the Bucks, so we'll see if he can return against Washington. Watch his practices this week. Nick Chubb with the MCL sprain on IR. Cleveland is on bye this week, but it sounds possible that Chubb could be back next week against Houston. Austin Eckler with the hamstring injury is on IR. He's eligible to return already, but the reports are that he's expected to return, uh, quote, later than rather than sooner. So unlikely to play until he gets at least a couple of full practices in. And then finally, Christian McCaffrey with a high ankle sprain. He's been on IR, but he's probable to come back here. He was close to playing against the Falcons last Thursday night. But Carolina didn't want to risk their franchise running back returning too soon. With that extra 10 days to heal up, we should see him back this week against the Chiefs. Certainly exciting to have him back if he does, in fact, return. Just a couple wide receiver injuries to talk about. Chris Godwin with finger surgery, questionable. Godwin had finger surgery last week, so it'll depend on how he's healing and how comfortable Tampa Bay is going into a pivotal pivotal NFC South showdown versus New Orleans this week without him. Watch his practice status this week. Calvin Ridley with the foot sprain questionable. There was no fracture, but with Atlanta out of playoff contention and having their bye next week, it would be prudent for the Falcons to rest their young wide receiver. Keep an eye on his practice status this week. Kenny Galladay with the hip injury, doubtful right now, uh, week to week. Detroit worked out Mohamed Sanu earlier today, so not a good sign for his availability this week. Uh, He could miss a week or more. Deontay Johnson with the hamstring injury, he's questionable. Johnson left the game early versus Baltimore and then returned but did nothing, mostly serving as a decoy. The injury concerns with him are beginning to mount, and we'll see if Pittsburgh gives him a week off with a mini-buy of sorts facing Dallas Sunday afternoon. Keep an eye on his practice status this week. 
T.Y. Hilton with the groin injury. Hilton left the game versus Detroit, but he hasn't been more than a fantasy wide receiver for this season regardless of that. It doesn't sound serious, but depending on how deep your league is, Hilton may not need to be held. Cooper Cup, potential wrist fracture. Uh, the Rams are on a bye this week, so we'll just have to gonna have to find out what's going on. Per Matthew Betts at the Fantasy PT, Cup is a name to watch. He fell on his wrist yesterday, and despite returning to the game, there's potential concern for a scaphoid fracture. X-rays often miss this diagnosis, so suspect an, so expect an MRI in the next day or two. It may be nothing, but we also may not hear much about Cup with the Rams on their bye. Just something to keep on in the back of your mind. Tim Patrick with a hamstring injury. These soft tissue injuries can be aggravated if a player returns too soon, so we'll see if Patrick misses another week. Keep an eye on his status. He's questionable right now. Julian Edelman had knee surgeries on the IR. He underwent surgery for a bone-on-bone issue, and the earliest he could return is week 11 versus Houston. He doesn't need to be held in most formats as he struggled to produce even prior to this. Debo Samuel, questionable with a hamstring. These soft uh, tissue injuries have popped up a lot this year. Samuel could miss another week or two to not risk aggravation by returning too soon. But he could return for an important game versus Green Bay here. Jamison Crowder with the groin injury, questionable. He had this injury during practice two weeks ago, and we're just going to have to see how long this bothers him. If it's severe enough, he could undergo uh, season-ending surgery, in fact. Michael Thomas with a hamstring now, questionable. Thomas injured his hamstring during practice upon returning from his high ankle sprain. New Orleans has been conservative in sitting him until he's 100%, so keep an eye on his status closely this week. They may see whether Chris Godwin is playing on the other side this week to determine the risk-reward of playing Thomas to win the division or have him healthy for the stretch run. Who knows? Sammy Watkins, questionable with a hamstring. Watkins hurt his hamstring versus the Raiders in Week 5. Keep an eye on his practice participation. And then Alan Lazard, groin surgery. He's on the IR and questionable. He got some practices in last week, but ultimately remained on the IR versus Minnesota. With a crucial NFC matchup versus San Francisco this week, Green Bay could finally activate Lazard. Keep an eye on his status this week. And at tight end, uh, not too many names, but a couple of big names. George Kittle, sadly, uh, with the foot fracture, he's going to be out for the fantasy season. Uh, It sounds like it's a small fracture in his foot. He's going to be out for about eight weeks, and with a very low likelihood that he's going to be back in time for the fantasy playoffs. He's droppable in all but the deepest redraft formats, or if your league uses two weeks for your championship matchup, for week 16 and 17 there's a chance that kittle could be back in week 17 but again for most fantasy leagues with 14 through 16 fantasy playoffs uh they're not going to have them zach Ertz, high ankle sprain on ir the earliest that Ertz is eligible to return is in week 11 against cleveland and based on the timeline of his injury he should be ready right around then and to replace your injuries, you need free agent pickups. And to kick off our quarterback free agent pickup, we have Derek Carr, 48% rostered in ESPN, 42 in Yahoo. Carr didn't do much in a cold rain and sleet game at Cleveland this past week, but he'll be in sunny California in a dome this week versus a Chargers defense allowing the seventh most fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks. They collapsed in the second half, allowing Denver to come back with lock throwing for almost 250 yards and three touchdowns. Cam Newton, 64%. Rostered in ESPN, 63 in Yahoo. Newton, New Eng- Newton and New England are going to look to get their offense back on track after starting the year with a dismal 2-5 and five record. 
This is a good week to do it after Mahomes just burned this Jets defense for 400 yards and five touchdowns. And finally, Drew Locke, 5% in ESPN, 10% in Yahoo. Locke seems to be getting back into his groove after another week removed from his shoulder injury. He's been taking some shots downfield with success and should continue to find success versus an Atlanta secondary that allows the very most fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks through eight weeks of the season. And at running back, kicking it off, we've got Zach Moss, 36% roster in ESPN, 54% in Yahoo. I actually had no idea that Moss was rostered in so few leagues here. Uh, he and Singletary are splitting the work evenly, but Moss seems to be utilized more in the red zone, uh, so he has more weekly upside. And he, even though he's a touchdown-dependent flex right now, there's some potential for him to take over more work in this backfield. J.K. Dobbins, 49% in ESPN, 68% Yahoo. His roster percentage is low, surprisingly, as well. Uh, Ingram should be back soon, uh, which could make this a headache of a three-headed committee again. But there's also the chance that Dobbins, the rookie, who clearly looks like the best running back, uh, starts getting more and more work. I wouldn't go too crazy with these fab bids, but both of these guys should be rostered in 100% of leagues due to pure upside. Damian Harris, 31% in ESPN, 47% in Yahoo. Harris saw 16 carries com uh, compared to just eight combined for Burkhead and White against Buffalo. Again, his floor remains very low in PPR with zero targets as a receiver. But in games that New England is projected to win, like this week against the Jets, Harris should see a lot of work on the ground. He'll be a matchup-dependent flex play going forward with a decent schedule, including Miami and Buffalo in weeks 15 and 16 of the fantasy playoffs. Justin Jackson, 67% in ESPN, 56% in Yahoo. And then Troy Main Pope, who's not rostered in either format. Jackson and Pope seem to be the more relied upon backs over Joshua Kelly at this point, with Jackson seeing 17 carries and 5 targets, and Pope seeing 10 carries and 7 targets against the Broncos. Both have relevance as flex plays until Eckler returns in a couple weeks, especially this week against a Raiders defense that allows the second most fantasy points to opposing running backs. Jamichael Hasty, 46% ESPN, 42% in Yahoo. We've got, uh, you know, McKinnon is already rostered in most leagues, but Hasty remains available in over half of ESPN and Yahoo formats. He led the team in carries against Seattle with 12 to McKinnon's 3. And though McKinnon saw more work as receiver with four targets to just one for Hasty, Hasty did get the goal line work and the touchdown. With Tevin Coleman likely to miss Thursday night against the Packers, Hasty's a viable flex for at least one or two weeks before Raheem Mostert returns from IR. J.D. McKissick, 32% ESPN, 25% Yahoo. McKissick has been playing about 50% of the snaps this year primarily on passing downs. And while he's not a sexy name, he's currently the RB37 in PPR formats, and he's had seven or more fantasy points over the last five weeks. If you're desperate, he's a viable low-ceiling flex option with a decent floor. LaMichael P. Ryan, 34% ESPN, 41% Yahoo. If you're truly desperate here, P. Ryan continues to split work with Frank Gore, but there's a chance that he could gradually take on a bigger role for the Jets. Then again, it's Adam Gase, so we'll see. Dante Foreman, not rostered in either formats. A most priority handcuffs like Alexander Madison and Benny Snell and Latavius Murray. These are guys already on people's radars, so we don't really talk about them too much on this waiver wire segment. But we wanted to bring up Dante Foreman, who started his career with Houston before getting cut due to poor work ethic. 
However, if that has indeed changed, Foreman's physical talent is still there. He looked good on Sunday against the Bengals, and at 6'1 and 235 pounds, he could be a high upside handcuff to Derrick Henry. Yeah, he was a highly drafted guy. I think uh, early third round or something a couple years back, he had a bad Achilles injury. So this could be his time to finally uh, make something happen of himself in the NFL. All right, as for wide receivers, T. Higgins, 78% rostered in ESPN, 80% in Yahoo. I'm uh, getting sick of talking about him in this section. You guys just need to make him 100%. Come on. Higgins has been our top waiver priority at the wide receiver position for three straight weeks now. While he's now rostered in more than 50%, number's still too low. Bro has been throwing the ball a ton due to Cincy's defense putting them in shootout situations. And since Higgins' role uh, grew in week three, he's been the number nine wide receiver in PPR. He should be 100%. Antonio Brown, 79 in ESPN, 82% in Yahoo. Brown was added in many leagues already following his signing with Tampa last week, but if he was overlooked or if your league only allows once-a-week waiver ads, then Brown is worth a dart throw. If he can stay clean as far as off-field issues go, he could be a wide receiver too as soon as he steps on the field versus New Orleans in Week 9. Given his league-winning upside, he should be 100% rostered. Jalen Rager, 14% rostered in ESPN, 24% in Yahoo. In his first game back from thumb surgery versus Dallas on Sunday night, Rager played 73% of the snaps and saw six targets, just one less than Travis Fulgham. Rager nearly caught a second touchdown as well, were it not for a brilliant play by the defender forcing the ball out at the last second. With Juliana by this week, he has time to build rapport with Wentz. This could be the last chance to aid Ed Rager for a fairly cheap fab bid. He could be a wide receiver to rest of season. Jerry Judy, 55% ESPN, 16 Yahoo. Judy was dropped in quite a few leagues after a couple of disappointing outings, but with Tim Patrick missing the game versus the Chargers with a hamstring injury, Judy assumed the number one duties and led the team with 10 targets. If Patrick misses another week or two, Judy will be a startable wide receiver three with a chance to maintain a bigger role. <clears throat> Pardon. Even once Patrick does return. Cole Beasley, 56% ESPN, 57% in Yahoo. Beasley had a down game versus New England in a game where neither side threw many passes due to the weather, but he's still the number uh, 23 wide receiver in PPR through eight weeks. His ownership percentage should be far higher, especially with Buffalo likely to throw a lot this week versus a poor Seattle secondary. Christian Kirk, 51% rostered in ESPN, 59% in Yahoo. We talked about Kirk on a preseason show and our waiver section for a couple weeks now, but he may still be available with Arizona having been on a bye this past week. Kirk's involvement in the offense has steadily trended up, averaging 80% of the snaps over the last two games. And though his touchdown production has been fluky, his target share could continue to grow in the coming out of the bye. Marvin Jones, 54 in the ESPN, 49 in Yahoo. With Kenny Galladay, week-to-week Jones could be a viable wide receiver. Three, again, after disappointing early in the year. He's a good pickup for teams in need of help at wide receiver. Mike Williams, 43% in ESPN, 53% Yahoo. Williams is one of the best contested catch wide receivers in the league right now. With rookie Justin Herbert looking far more developed than expected, Williams is a weekly boomer bust flex with high upside. And we finally got to see that upside versus Denver this past week. Rashard Higgins, 20% in Yahoo, 
No, 20% in ESPN, 50% in Yahoo. With Odell Beckham Jr. out early after tearing his ACL, Higgins was the clear number two wide receiver behind Landry versus the Raiders. The weather didn't allow for much passing offense from either side, but after Cleveland's by this week, Higgins will see excellent matchups against Houston, Philadelphia, Jacksonville, and Tennessee. He's a viable wide receiver four or even flex play for wide receiver and needy teams. Josh Reynolds, 1% in ESPN, 3% in Yahoo. Reynolds has been more involved in the offense lately, and he saw nine targets in that collapse versus Miami, second on the team behind Cup. With the possibility of Cup missing time, Reynolds could be worth a preemptive ad for savvy fantasy managers. And Darnell Mooney, 4% in ESPN, 6% in Yahoo. Mooney benefited from Marshawn Lattimore covering Allen Robinson, but his role in the offense has been growing. The problem has been Nick Foles' inaccuracy and Chicago's poor pass protection, keeping the offense in neutral. But with favorable matchups versus Tennessee and Minnesota coming up, and uh, Weems probably missing a couple weeks, Mooney is worth a look in deeper leagues. And at tight end, we've got Dallas Goddard, 48% ESPN, 62% Yahoo. It's kind of shocking that Goddard is rostered in less than 50% of ESPN formats. Uh, even given the current state of tight ends uh, here, he should be 100% rostered with the Eagles getting healthier on offense. Prior to his injury, he looked like the most explosive tight end on the roster. And he played 84% of the snaps last night against Dallas in his first game back despite having just one catch for 15 yards. He has top five fantasy tight end upside if he and Wentz start clicking after Philadelphia's bye this week. Ross Dwelly and Jordan Reed. Uh, Dwelly may not do this much this week against Green Bay, but he's worth uh, an ad here with Kittle likely out for Thursday uh, and for the rest of the season. And then Jordan Reed as well, uh, once he returns from IR. Both of these guys, uh, whoever takes the lead role here, uh, probably Reed, once he's healthy and off IR, could be a back-end tight end in PPR formats due to volume. Logan Thomas, 8% ESPN, 21% Yahoo. Thomas has averaged 85% of the offensive snaps this year. And since the quarterback changed to Kyle Allen, his targets have gotten more efficient. If you're in a pinch, Thomas found the end zone in Washington's last game against the Giants and could again as one of Allen's preferred red zone targets. Eric Ebron, 51% ESPN, 45% Yahoo. Ebron's a little hit or miss, but he could remain more involved this week if Deontay Johnson is limited or out with that hamstring injury. The downside, of course, is that Pittsburgh could dominate the game against Dallas with little to no passing in the second half perhaps even pulling their starters. Jordan Aikens, 1% ESPN, 2% in Yahoo. Jacksonville allows the sixth most fantasy points to opposing tight ends. And prior to his ankle injury, Aikens was playing ahead of Darren Fells. Coming out of Houston's bye, uh, with Aikens having practiced earlier today, if he is healthy, he could be a decent play this week. And a couple fill-in defenses for you. Houston, which is uh, 2% rostered in ESPN, 4% in Yahoo. The Texans have played poorly on defense all year, but their one good fantasy game came versus Jacksonville in Week 5 with four sacks and two fumbles recovered. They'll likely be facing a rookie quarterback making his first start in the NFL in Jake Luton. This is the week to fire up the Houston defense. Washington DST, 18% in ESPN, 15 on Yahoo. The Giants gave up the seventh most fantasy points to opposing defenses, with Daniel Jones having already thrown seven interceptions and fumbled five times. 
the New York Giants, 14% ESPN, 11 in Yahoo. On the other side of this sad NFC East matchup, the Giants were able to pick off Jones and had a fumble return touchdown when they met three weeks ago. Uh, both defenses are in play here. Yeah, and speaking of uh, Daniel Jones, I think that number's up to nine interceptions after tonight, so Washington defense. Did he throw a second one? Oh, there it is. Uh, oh, yeah. it just happened, didn't it? Yeah, just now, so... Uh, Wow. Washington defense, a uh, decent streaming option for sure. Yep. Although in the first matchup, I picked Washington and Gi- Giants were the better matchup. They uh, they scored a defensive touchdown. Yeah, I, I think Washington will be slightly better here, uh, especially coming off of that bye with uh, you know, yeah. the Giants obviously playing tonight. They'll have a short week to prep as well. Yeah, good call. And uh, as always, if you guys have more specific questions regarding your team or league, we're happy to reply to questions on Twitter. Uh, something, so, or sometimes there's simply nothing you can do when you face in, when you're facing guys like Dalvin Cook or Tyler Lockett uh, or DK Metcalf certain weeks. But you know, you got to keep grinding. Pat Mahomes. Yeah, Pat Mahomes as well. Uh, we didn't mention him, but certainly a huge game for him. Uh, we knew that was coming. Uh, he's been fairly quiet, if we can even call it quiet by his standards this year, I guess. But, uh, you know, we're, we're in that middle stretch of the season. Uh, wins count a lot right now, depending on your current ranking in your league, depending on how many teams make the playoffs. So keep grinding, uh, keep watching those matchups uh if you have sit start questions trade questions whatever it is you can find us on twitter i am at ffa underscore mung that's m-e-n-g and you can find me at ffa underscore los and you can find us on itunes spotify google play stitcher and soundcloud hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any of our upcoming podcast episodes yeah, it's uh, sadly I will miss next week, but you are all in good hands with Los and Dan here, and it's a fantasy world. We're all just addicts in it. Thanks, addicts. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. 